Hey everybody, this is Joseph Hasek and welcome to the Fired Up Network. Welcome to Fired Up Live. Welcome to a special edition of the soccer show normally on Friday afternoons with uh, the Hall of Famer John Freeman Nelson, John Carlo Lino, and the coach Carmen Asacco. But I don't know if you guys know, if Friday is a big NHL trade deadline, there's going to be two trades and we're going to be on for eight hours. John Carlo is going to be excited. The Maple Leafs have acquired... Phil Kessel for a bag of Schneider hot dogs, according to Steve Simmons. All right, let's get to the soccer show here. Uh, week one of MLS is back. I know, John, you don't like me saying that, but I don't care. Uh, Atlanta, they prevail. TFC doing TFC things. Let's go to, to you first. Talk about Atlanta United victory. Well, I mean, it was a 1-0 lead early by San Jose and you know that when you're in your first match for game state that you're you know it's, it's going to take a while for those relationships and coach knows this for guys to understand okay if I move here my responsibility is this my responsibility is here and so on uh Ibobisi gets a header past Brad Gazan makes it one nil San Jose decides okay we flew across the country we're going to pack it in, try to get out of here with a point. We're going to try to conquer it starting in the 50th minute and delay, 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 fall down. Stretchers come out. And then, oh, there's a stretcher. No, I feel great. Physios walk you off, those kinds of things. But then it was uh, two magical moments from Tiago Almada. One, I'm still trying to figure out for the life of me why San Jose thought that just because Tiago Almada was outside the 18, he shouldn't be marked on a corner. And the second one, last kick of the game, just an absolute, worldly kick that no keeper is going to get. Danielle had no chance. 2-1 Atlanta United gets out with full points and uh, awaits Big Red coming into town this weekend. All right. Now I'm going to go to these two guys, TFC. I'll start off with Karm. TFC, when you look at them, they come back, and your guy scores the goal, leading 2-1 with what, John Carlo? 83rd minute, seven minutes left, right? Seven, six minutes left, and then Again, it collapses. They think they get defense. They sign hedges and all that. Carm, tell us, break us down about TFC's opening match. Yeah, I mean, just uh, like beyond the result as well. They just didn't look as uh, as 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 kind of motivated, um, kind of as as uh, resilient, or you know, you know, it's brand new year, trying to prove themselves. Uh, trying to, you know, kind of uh, wash off what happened last year. And you figure that they'd become all gangbusters, pace and energy and pressing. And it was the exact opposite. It was DC United that was up 1-0 and probably deserved to be up a couple more. Um, but, and again, in the flaws that you see are the flaws that existed, like, all of last year. But we're talking about one game. We're talking about one game where they could have packed it in and won the game. Um, against the team, uh, you know that that uh, DC United, you know, they'll be they'll be very lucky to make the playoffs next year, uh, or this year, sorry. But uh, yeah, so, th so these are the, the the factors that are kind of eerily so similar. But uh, you know, again, it's just moments. You know, maybe expecting more more from Johnson uh, in that first shot. Maybe expecting a little more coverage from Bradley, uh, expecting more from Mark Anthony, even though he got that goal off of the restart. And uh, and, and lo and behold, Insigne is hurt after 35 minutes, right? And, and so these things are kind of 
par for the course. Um, so we'll, let's let let's let's see if uh, they learn their lesson a little quicker than they did last year. All right, John Carlo, any thoughts? Other thoughts you want to add on that match? Yeah, I think it's concerning. You see Insigne go down again, like every single year going back to Napoli. He seems to be picking up these injuries, so something's off there. And that's an expensive bench piece right now because if he's not going to be in the lineup, you're spending like $15 million a year on somebody that you're going to have to nurse back to health all the time. At some point, you got to maybe change the way he does his training, and you're going to have to create a schedule that – best allows him to perform and uh, not pick up these little injuries here and there. They're having uh, an opening now on the roster. So I, I don't know why they don't just get Jovinko to come back, be on the bench, be in that role. He could slot in, be in that three man attack. Like I don't understand it. Uh, I think it'd be an easy option. You don't have to pay like a million dollars. So I don't know. I, I would pursue that if I was them, he'd come in and uh, give you some minutes here and there and, he won't have to be the guy because Bernadeschi, it seems like he's that guy right now. He wants Javenko. He wants uh, Phil Kessel. He wants Conrich Holloway for the Argos. Carmen, Conrich Holloway for the Argos. And he Bob wants George Bell to come back and drop a drop kick on George Keys, uh, Bruce Keese in here. Come on, John Carlo, enough. Well, they have I, Victor I, Vasquez I, getting a ball to the uh, ribs and he misses a game. So, Jovinko, you don't have to worry about that because he's shorter than Vasquez. So. You don't have to worry about the ball hitting him in the ribs. This this is a soccer show, not wrestling, all right? So here we go, John. Ho-hum, who does Toronto FC play this week? Atlanta United. Yes, Yes. in Atlanta. So I'm going to make a friendly wager, all right? Carm, wake up for this. You want to make a wager with the Hall of Famer, John Freeman Nelson? If Toronto wins, John Nelson will cut his hair. If Toronto loses, you get a haircut, Carm. What do you say? Nope. Uh, <laughs> the uh, it's gonna be. I mean, San Jose almost pulled off for what I consider a miracle because I don't think that's a team team even built to make the playoffs, even in the West. Um, uh, I think that uh, even just being where they were, Atlanta's got so many game changers. I think the their their, their pace of play. Um, I think that that Toronto, they're, they 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 saw you saw a little bit of a middle block and not really high pressing uh, as much as they they usually do, but they, they just get discombobulated and they just get broken down and and that was against the DC United team led by uh, you know their their number ten click who you know probably wouldn't be starting for Toronto FC right now so there's there's the, I, I I just the matchups. Uh, the energy that's going to be spent, uh, you know, impressing that Atlanta team and the way they can break you down, and they have difference makers, you know. And again, the factor for me is is Johnson as well. Johnson and and Hedges and organizing that. Uh, even R- 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 Richie Laria has been uninspired. That's the word I was looking for earlier. It was an uninspired effort. And if you're going to have an uninspired effort against DC United and not learn your lesson. It's going to be even ten times tougher in Atlanta. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 a game I, I wouldn't touch. All right, and uh, John Carlo, go to you, and then we'll go to John and uh, speak about you know Atlanta. I think what John this uh, the opening match they had sixty seven thousand. Yep, sixty seven five. Yep. Wow. All right, John Carlo, uh, give me your breakdown of Atlanta and Toronto. 
Yeah, I just think Toronto needs to be a lot better. We saw like every season you can blame the goalie, whether it was Bono, whether it was Westberg, and now you get an incredible goalie in Johnson, and the same things are happening. So at some point you got to blame the system in place. Maybe Bradley has to change some things and uh, Good maybe luck change his way. Good yeah, luck. So maybe he needs to look at the personnel, and uh, if he doesn't have him in the right spot, maybe it's an opportunity for Jaquil Marshall-Rui to come in. If uh, Richie Larea was uninspired, like uh, Carmen was saying there, like they have uh, Marshall Rudy, he's a young player, give him an opportunity. Maybe he'll take it and uh, push Larea to be better. And uh, like the Canadian men's national team, remember that statement they said, minor leagues. So if they don't want to be considered that, then I think they should need to step up too because – a lot of people are going to be looking at the Canadians men's national team now, especially with all the changes being made. And they're going to be looking at the players under a microscope. And this is their opportunity to shine and uh, get some positive press in their end over there. All right. We're going to talk about the Canadian well, soccer in a few minutes. But, John, go ahead. Uh, you break it down from Atlanta's perspective. No, I think that what you're going to see is you're going to continue to see these, these tenets of Gonzalo Pineda. It's going to be uh, pressure in trying to get the ball back as quickly as possible once they lose possession. I think that you're going to see a lot of speed on the wings involving uh, Brooks Lennon, Luis Arugio on the right-hand side, Andrew Gutman with inside runs on the left-hand side, Tiago Amada left to roam freely. Uh, probably start on the left-hand side, then the whistle blows, and the 4-3-3 will just go out the window. Whoever's going to be on the left wing is going to be there running up and down and staying on the outside, whether it's Caleb Wiley or if it's Derek Etienne. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting for Toronto FC's backline to try to combat all this speed. Can Matt Hedges keep up with uh, a Tiago Almada if that's his assignment? Can he keep up with a, an Andrew Gutman if that's his assignment? Can he keep up with Luis Arujo if that's his assignment on any given element of all of this? I think that the speed of Atlanta United, and we're still trying to figure out who the nine's going to be. Is it going to be uh, Miguel Berry starting? We're still waiting for the visa to, to work its way through with uh, – Yorgos Yakamakis and have him up top. Is it going to be Barry? Is it going to be Conway? Is it going to be a, con a combination of both of them? So we're still waiting for the the uh, the nine. And it was a team against San Jose that had three, if not four, players that were still missing from the starting eleven. I mean, it's you know you had Yakamakis still waiting on that. You had Luis Abram. You still you know Luis came in late, and then you had uh, you know. Brad Gazan and Brooks and uh, Miles Robinson starting for uh, the team that didn't start, you know, for a majority of 2022. So you're and Santi Sosa's out on suspension. So you had three, if not four players that were out that you would anticipate in your starting lineup. You won't have Sosa for this one. So once again, it's probably going to be Barra at the back as your six and lineups pretty much going to be the same. But I want to know what it's going to be on the left hand side. Is it Etienne or Wiley? Is it that the nine is Yakamaki's visa going to magically appear? Is it Yakamaki's uh, Barry or um, Jackson Conway? And just try to figure it out that way. I think the speed's going to give problems for the back line for Toronto FC. It could be a long day. We're all going for Atlanta this week, aren't we? Uh, Giancarlo, what's your prediction, Atlanta? No, I think it's going to be a draw. I think Toronto will have the lead, and uh, we're going to see a 2-2 draw. Uh, all right, Carm. I'm just interested to see how Toronto FC comes back and which players become the scapegoats of that first game. Um, I don't. Is Insigne out for sure? We don't. I don't know. Well, let's assume he's out for sure. 
So um, last game they brought in Akinola, who's and they moved um, and then they kind of tinkered around with Akinola wide. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of question marks on how they're going to come out in the system, how they're going to come out, uh, who are they going to use. Maybe it's a Marshall Ruddy playing in the wide areas. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, unknowns, and are they going to, you know, are they going to replace uh, a Mark Anthony or uh, or or an Oso or Bradley for that matter? Um, because of they, they need scapegoats to what happened. All right, so let's get uh, through the table here. I'll start off with John Carlo. Give me one match on opening weekend that impressed you, and, and one team that you were surprised that didn't come up good. Is it TFC? Oh yeah, TFC is obviously just the amount of money and just everything they did, and uh, the scapegoats they got rid of and slotted new uh, names in there. That was a surprise to me, but uh, I won't say like more of a dang a positive but i was impressed with charlotte's home uh, opener the crowd that they had there i think yeah. that's a positive sign and then you see what atlanta drew in their opener i think for just soccer in the united states and mls it's a good it's good for production when you can see that and market the league around and show that close to seventy thousand fans will pack in stadiums to watch soccer all right carm how about you same question yeah my 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 favorite performance uh, without the result was Vancouver Whitecaps. I thought they were fantastic against Rail Salt Lake. Got on the front foot, uh, played some great football, some great, great actions, and I thought the team was put together well. And uh, you know, one nothing comfortably up. Probably should have been two or three. And this is the the, the life of the MLS. In the last minutes, uh, it, it becomes two one Real Salt Lake, who has some game breakers, players that can make a difference. But that's that's uh, that's for me was a, a very good performance from Vancouver, and uh, in, 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 you know usually they have maybe twenty percent possession and they're lucky to get a transition shot on net. But um, this this game, I thought they were very good, very good going forward, very proactive. I liked what uh, I liked what um, uh, what Vancouver showed, on, and unfortunately they ended up losing two one. So. There's some deficiencies. Um, maybe it's their new Japanese keeper who's got great feet, but uh, we'll see how, if you know, obviously keepers with great feet still need to save a ball. All right. And final, uh, John, what surprised you or, you know, from opening match? Well, surprise good, uh, St. Louis City SC. I feel like since they're in caps, I have to do that every single time, <laughs> which then in turn gives me a bit of a, 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 you know, the other side of that equation with uh, Austin. You wonder about Austin. Uh, you wonder about Colorado with what happened with their match against Seattle. That was that was not good from Colorado. Columbus, you worry about. Uh, I imagine that over time, Columbus getting integrated with what Wolford Nazi wants to do. Uh, Columbus started out great, and then so uh, you know that's those are the ones that surprised me bad. If we're if we're going uh, red light, yellow light, green light, then I go green light, St. Louis. And red light, definitely Colorado and Columbus out of week one. 
and great sound effects there. Maybe we should, uh, Giancarlo, get that and we'll put it on the soundboard there. Uh, before we get to Team Canada, CONCACAF reveals the qualifying process. My head hurts now from seeing that. It's like, what are you doing? I was going to start with you because I know Carmen doesn't, He he's coaching his team. He doesn't know what we're talking about. So give us a, a Reader's Digest version because my no. head is like that. Go ahead. It's impossible. You can't. You can't do a Reader's Digest version. You're ex you're expanding the number of teams to to qualify. You go from twelve to sixteen. The windows are the windows are specified, and it's just like man, your head hurts from looking at this kind of stuff. It's like okay, to do this, you've got to do this, and you're here and you're here. Basically, it's twelve. The biggest takeaway is that you go from twelve to sixteen that to qualify. So, and it's group stages and the three groups, A, B, and C, and their divisions and the relegation, which doesn't exist anymore. It's just, yeah, it makes your head hurt. John Carlo, anything you want to add about that? Because I, I heard you were the part of the group who uh, constructed this. He was hanging out with Montagliani and they came up with this decision. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, chopping it up and uh, I was telling them you need more group stages. You need to make it more complicated. And uh, I don't know what they were thinking when they released that. I thought that was just like a draft of this is what we're thinking, but that ended up being the official thing. So yeah, it was surprising. It's crazy. It's crazy. Karm, do you want well, to say anything? I, structure, the, the, the champions of CONCACAF or the team that won the CONCACAF uh, uh, division this year was not supposed to be in it, by the way. <laughs> We, we really forget that. <laughs> we really forget that. So maybe there's some, uh, maybe there, there is some uh, valid validity to this reshuffle because Canada was not part of the original hex and became part of the oct, or maybe I'm all over the place, but um, uh, I'm still, I'm still really enjoying John's red light, yellow light. <laughs> Remember that. I do like, go ahead. I can tell my kids that. That's a yellow light. Yeah. That's a green light. Yep. That's a red. Yeah, that's a tell red. Tell yourself you were driving like crazy last week and the phone went crazy. You should tell yourself that. All right. So that's all for you, Joe. That's all for you. Yeah, that's Just all for to get me. To now, now let's see. Let's see if it's all John, get it, ready. Let's see if it's all for me now. Let's talk about Canadian soccer uh, this week. Uh, <laughs> look at him. Look at him. No, Carm, Carm, let, let's get to it. And, and so he's gone. He's gone. Unbelievable. He's gone. He kills my momentum. This, this guy better show up here. He, he owes us all Nino Diversa, probably. Yeah, really. John, you want to you wanna start it off as an American looking at what's happening in Canada mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Canadian soccer is coming up, right? They're the first time they qualify, they're going to qualify again. Everything like, like that. What What do you think when you see north of the border? Well, we talked about it on the show this morning, and it, it's disappointing, and it, it's frustrating, and I, I think on some levels it's also angering uh, with uh, with what has been going on and how the specifically the women's national team has been treated in all of this. Where uh, Rick Westhead, who, by the way, is a fantastic follow on Twitter, R. Westhead from a TSN, came up with, uh, with some news yesterday where basically the women's team to play Brazil had to come up. The, the women's team had to have a benefactor come forward to pay for the trip for a, for a national team 
that is as storied as Canada is, that was a part of host that was hosting a World Cup not too many years ago. For Christine Sinclair and, and that group to, to go through what they're do, uh, having to go through, it, it's disappointing, it's maddening, and, and the biggest question for me is, why is this the case? And what folks are going to have to do is follow the money. When you have Canada soccer business, allegedly, apparently, probably, giving anywhere from 3 to $4 million a year to Canada soccer because of this marketing agreement, and it's capped at that number, which is an incredible benefit for CSB, when 3 to $4 million is going to Canada soccer each year, follow the money. Where is it going? Why does, why does the women's national team have to basically live check to check when some of the women, when the women aren't even getting paid back wages to be a part of this national team? Follow the money. And I want to know, and I know that the three to four million going to Canada soccer is also helping to fund the CPL and its growth. But FC Edmonton is on life support as you're bringing in another franchise in the Vancouver area. Where is this money going? How much of it is going to the CPL? How much of it is funding the CPL? How much of it's going to Canada soccer? And then Canada soccer in turn, how are you distributing the funds to the men's side and the women's side when Nick Bontis has a press conference basically saying that the demands where he goes off the rails in a press conference and says the demands of the men's team are untenable. I think that was the word that was used. But he was combative in a press conference that became legendary up there for the media. And now, of course, because of everything that is going on with Canada Soccer, Bontis resigns yesterday, but he is still employed, I believe, in CONCACAF in some manner, way, shape, or form because of his relationship with Victor Montaliani. There are too many questions that don't have answers and a lot of them are financial. And I know that Giancarlo's up against it, and he turns into a pumpkin. So, Giancarlo, go ahead. But, yeah, we talked about it this morning. We talked about it this week. It's disappointing. It's depressing. It's confusing. And you need answers. Uh, go ahead, John. And you'll see more of Giancarlo here on Fired Up Live because Giancarlo will be on the wrestling show where we preview AEW's pay-per-view. I know Carmen is excited about that. Uh, and we preview the return of John Jones as he clobbers uh, Carmen Asako. Go ahead, uh, John Carlo. Anything else you want to add? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the whole Bonta situation. Uh, I think it was long overdue. This is something that should have happened after the World Cup when they really just look at everything and assess what happened. And that's when it shouldn't have taken a whole committee of uh, provincial leaders there to say he should resign. Like, the whole thing has been going on too long. So hopefully now with uh, this new change, it leads to something positive and uh, maybe a financial statement could be released of both teams so they know how much money and what's going where. So hopefully it turns into a positive. All right, Giancarlo, tell everybody how they could get a hold of you. And again, you're going to be later on the show, on the wrestling show. Plus, you're going to be the hot dog vendor when Phil Kessel comes here on Friday for our NHL trade deadline show. Go ahead, Giancarlo. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, John underscore 411, Instagram, Giancarlo underscore Alino, and check out my articles on fireonnetwork.ca. All right, I'll uh, bid you adieu. I'll, I'll see you later on in the show. Take care, Giancarlo. Thanks. Take care, guys. 
All right, now here it is. Hopefully, it doesn't cut out. Do you want to rebuttal anything that John Freeman Nelson, the Hall of Famer of OSG Sports, said? An American has got to the crux of this issue. You're a Canadian. You teach and you you coach. You're the headmaster coach and everything like that. I know you have. Maybe, maybe, God willing, you, you're you'll be exploding here. Tell us your thoughts on the debacle that has happened in Canadian soccer. Great. We can't even hear him. <laughs> Great. Great. Check, check your mute, Carmen. Check your mute button. He's talking and he's saying, I'll, I'll translate for him. He's saying, you know, since this guy stepped down, all right, you hear me now? You hear now me now? I can hear you. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's not. It's not a massive. I don't think it's the buckle, but I think there's. There's. It's. It's. I don't think it's the buckle at all. I think it's. It's. Uh, it's. It's a mountain made from a molehill on social media and all the evils that are 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 part of it. Number one, John CSB, uh, the funding that goes to the CSA is not anything to do with cpo the csb which are is is all fund the cpl is all funded by individual owners that have invested in in csb and are partners in csb none of the money that goes to csb is part of csa uh number two uh the the, the i highly doubt i highly doubt that the story about the women needing a benefactor to play in She Believes Cup uh, is is true. All right, I highly doubt it, but I don't. I have no sources to say to 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 quote or anything like that. But I highly, highly doubt that that's the case. I think this is the relationship of some people, uh, players, and and TSN that uh, are are again. I'm not so sure the facts are the facts. Number three. I think Nick Bontis, uh, who is an established professor at the University of McMaster, established business person, um, well-respected, uh, took on a challenge that was way beyond him, or and he's become the scapegoat for a lot of ineptitude within our organization. Um, and I think that there's other people leading this uh, this situation for reasons that uh, are probably uh, very selfish. Um, and, and I don't think that uh, we have the full story. I don't think we have the full story by any means. And I'm not saying that I have the full story, but I'm saying that we don't have the full story. And I really believe that Nick Bontis has become a scapegoat in all of this. He was on the board 2012 for sure. He was on the board when a lot of these decisions in CSB with CSB were made. But understand, uh, at that time, Canada was not in the World Cup. Canada had no chance to qualify for the World Cup because of the situation. COVID was 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 beating them up, um, and they were they were making maybe a million dollars, maybe a million dollars. They were getting a million dollars a year, and uh, when CSB came and looked to, you know double that with with three million it, it became it was it looked like a good investment but everything that's happened and they probably didn't 
dot their I's and cross their T's. And there was a lot of ambiguities within that, that understanding or that the contractual relationship. But uh, at the at the time, it looked like a savior. It looked like a saving every year. No matter what happens, you get three million plus a, a portion of the marketing, a plus plus plus. So uh, and and I and and right now again, I don't pretend to know all, but I think that at that time it looked like a very good deal for CSA. And I think the board, not only Nick Bontis, but the board voted that situation to come to fruition. Um, so. That was a collective group. Then the whole uh, the whole idea of, uh, of of now what's happening in, in the equality and the women's and all that stuff. Look, look, I can only speak from my experience. I was part of the CSA, uh, the the national technical staff for a little bit with with Benito Floro. The facts are that Canada uh, women's program was at least two times, maybe three times more funded than the Canadian National Program around 2013, 14, 15. You know what? Benito and the world were okay with that because they had they had Olympics coming up. They had World Cups coming up. They had Pan Am Games, which we were part of, coming up. There was never any problems with equality at that time, right? Never any qualities with anything that uh, that that... that uh, the, you know, there was there was a reasonable imbalance. Now, when the foot became there, there became a reasonable imbalance because the men's team, the men's team, kind of uh, had more qualifying games, more more uh, more trips because of the reality of the situation. They had to prepare for the World Cup, or the reality of the situation is that it had a ton of qualifying to do. You can't, you can't, you can't. Uh, harp or, or identify facts without you know, understanding why. So that for me, there is a why to all this. For me, uh, Nick Bontis is, 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 was part of that why. Did he make mistakes? Probably. Um, but uh, I mean, uh, the, the mistakes that people are talking about, uh, what, what the car he drives or all that rubbish about all that rubbish, he earned that himself. And he took on a, he took on maybe it was it was an ego move that he took on the president of the CSA for sure, but it wasn't a t it was a tough situation to be in at that time, um, and obviously the, the the governing bodies and the provincial bodies you know voted non confident in him, in him, but there's a lot more problems than Nick Bontis, and there's a lot more issues that we need to look at, and there's a lot more manipulating and soap opera. Uh, uh, what can what word can I use? Uh, soap opera dirt that that's going on behind the scenes. There's a lot. There's a lot that we don't know about John and Joe. There's a lot, and 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 I think that you know, uh, there's a uh, there's some people that we want we should point out, but we're not pointing out. But the, the, and and Bontis became the victim of all that. Um, you know, and you know what? To be honest with you, Victor Montigliani would have been the victim of all that if if he didn't move forward and if he didn't have uh, you know the 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 uh, intellectual and political prowess to be where he is right now. Um, so there's there's a lot of question marks, but I think we need to point fingers and and investigate the whole rather than point our finger at Nick Bontis and that use that as a scapegoat. That that's the. CSB made a good business deal. CSB, the money that they give to CSA, 
whether it's enough or not enough or whether the situation uh, was was uh, miscalculated is what the what they they uh, organized to do um, you know and and let's be honest uh, this benefactor that we talk about uh, is probably Kerfoot the owner of, uh, of, of the uh, the white caps and I mean he's got billions of dollars and he's invested in this game endlessly so if we're talking about a benefactor he's, he's also the guy that that I don't I, I don't think that CSA had um, they, they they had the resources to obviously send them the she believes cup and give them what they need to do and the preparation they need to prepare for but like let's let's be a little bit understanding and not let throw our hands in the air right away and see how this situation uh, really is going to play out because the uh, the honest truth is soccer football soccer in Canada became relevant without the economic ability to be relevant without the the backing to be relevant now and without and now i mean when 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 it was just the women's team you know pretty much leading all of our successes and and they were all the funding was towards them and there was no octagon and there was no other situation where where the men's team had all these demands it was uh it was simple it was simple and straightforward um and uh, the men's team, who wasn't productive, didn't demand resources that were, were unattainable. You know, they didn't demand those resources because it matched their productivity. But now that their productivity has, is at new heights and their value is at new heights, let's understand that, that, that they're going to have to be, there's going to be a, a um, kind of... A, imbalance to what was the balance so that there's an understanding there and i don't think it's an equity issue i don't think that 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 the, the women are being treated inequitably and i do and i and, and I, the only thing i do think is that i know what happened and how there was an inequity but i didn't we no one called it an inequity back then it called it it called it a reasonable imbalance because we needed to fund the resources or the women, you know, and also the Canadian government uh, on the podium gave the resources to the woman and gave them a whole bunch of money. All that stuff for me is very reasonable. That's the word that we're lacking in this situation. Hopefully, after Nick Bontis is gone and now that they're saying that he he was the reason why, let's, let's try to bring the groups together and be reasonable. But there's other people that should be looked at. There's other people that are stirring the pot here that are, 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 are kind of putting things in, 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 in people's minds that are, are not reasonably being, uh, being uh, dealt with from me. And that's not only by the CSA. So I've, again, I, I don't know if any of that makes sense. I don't know if, uh, but, but I'm, I'm not really uh, fond of, of what's happening here. I'm not really fond of, of uh, how both parties dealt with the situation. And even though there's a lot of people that I've worked with on the men's team and all that stuff, I think that uh, all that could have been a little bit um, more uh, transparent on both parties, with both parties. All right. I'll give uh, John a couple seconds to rebuttal or if you want to. John, John, FC Edmonton has been done for, like, they're not coming back this year. They're done. Mr. Fath 
was tired of losing money and the league did take them over last year and uh, they couldn't find an owner. So FC Edmonton's done. FC Vancouver is uh, moving forward with uh, Rob Friend and uh, his deep pockets, which, you know, uh, there you go. That's just a clarification for you. Okay. Uh, I know, Carm, I'm just going to, I'm going to say that you and I will respectfully disagree on the topic. Um, I know that, uh, there are reports out there that Canada soccer still has not negotiated the deal on how to split the $10 million bonus that Canada's men's national team earned for qualifying for the world cup. That's still in play. You know, have- for me, the, can I, sorry, they have negotiated a deal. The women are getting exactly what the men are getting. And the only reason they haven't received money just yet is because FIFA hasn't given them that money. So we can move forward with that. The women and the men have been negotiating the exact same. They're getting the exact same amount. Then when it comes to, you know, uh, like I said, I'm going by published reports about the Canadian women's team. And Christine Sinclair basically, you know, saying independently that we're going to start a women's league and bringing sponsors to the table and all of this. Uh, I think that you're going to have I think that you're going to have a work stoppage in April. I think that the men probably will do something in solidarity for the women. And I think it's a situation that that has to be addressed. And uh I still, I still wonder where this three to four million dollars, outside of the ten that we were talking about just a second ago, I still wonder where this three to four million dollars that CSB gives Canada Soccer every year, what does it go to? As an organization, I believe you have to be financially accountable with your books, and we're not seeing the books. So I think that that as an organization that's like this, I think you that the public should see where these funds are going and what they're going to. So if, as you, as you contest what was going on with the, the benefactors and the trip to Brazil, uh, you and I, like I said, you and I differ on that from published reports versus what you know up there. I, I just, when you have, when you have events like that, where you have something said and you have the idea of a work stoppage coming up in April to me, I still think that we have far too many questions than we do answers. And I want to follow the money with this organization, meaning Canada Soccer, and figure out where this money went that was supposedly coming into your coffers. And for a team that was going to the World Cup, the men's side, fantastic that you did. And, you know, eight figures to the left of the decimals coming in. What was the, what was the breakdown? If there, if there has been a, a finality, with uh, figuring out how the money's going to be divvied up, great. We haven't heard anything. I'd like to know what that is. Uh, and then, like I said, with the women's team, you've got a World Cup coming up in five months, basically. And you have these issues with your women's national team, who you know could cause some could cause some trouble for some of the world powers. But you have these issues coming up with a World Cup coming up in five months. To me, it seems that there are too many problems that have to be addressed on both the men's and the women's sides, and we need a whole lot of answers. And I think a lot of them have to do with bank accounts. Uh, I'll leave it. I'll leave it as that. And how apropos is all this when it's Women's History Month? 
just started March 1st, Women's History Month. And, and uh, Carm, do you want to say anything to what John said, uh, to be fair here? Because No, no. I agree there needs to be transparency. I agree that there needs to be uh, there needs to be some uh, um, accountability for sure. I do agree, but I do I have heard that there has been a uh, negotiation and and I mean publish reports. That sounds a little bit ambiguous to me. Publish reports means that there's someone that said something at camp saying that they, we didn't get this, we didn't get this, we didn't get that. Oh, that's a reliable source. So let's be honest. I'm not a reporter. You guys are. But, uh, but there, there's a lot of ambiguity on what a published report and the validity of that report is. But I am uh, quite, I've had some good sources tell me that, uh, that there, there has been, a, nego there has been a, a negotiation met and that just as the U.S., the women will receive as much as the men's. All right. For the men's world. Okay. Here at, here at Fired Up Network, we're the ultimate sports resource. And my source is Carmen Asako, the head master coach of York University. Now, John Freeman Nelson, tell everybody how they could get a hold of you. And, and John, maybe I'll have you on for the NHL trade deadline show uh, where we'll talk about the Atlanta Thrashers. That's it. He he goes away. He doesn't like talking about the Atlanta Thrashers. If that hits home with him, all right, John, go ahead. No, I like talking about the Atlanta Thrashers, but then it's going to be a thirty-minute screed about Atlanta Spirit and Gary Bettman. That's all that's going to be about. All right, uh, you more in trouble. Easiest way to get in touch, right there on the Twitters at OSG Nelson. That's the easiest way. Uh, OSG Nelson on the Twitters at Soccer Down Here, Soccer Down Here Daily Radio, OSG Sports app available iOS and Android, and if you like books. Carm and Giancarlo have their copies there at uh, Fired Up HQ. Autographed and personalized right there. That book, number six, Noble Strong Lessons in Destiny, uh, right there. And you pick it up on Amazon, do a Noble Strong or a John Nelson search. Great story about a great family in a small town. Fighting adversity and how the family and how the town wrapped themselves around the family as the team was chasing after a championship. So Noble Strong right there. File it on your favorite books, but easiest ones, just go to Amazon, pick it up, Noble Strong. And I and I told John's going to be part of uh, the NHL trade deadline show. And I've got an attack from his good friend, Marty Roberts. Yes. Carmen Asako, are you going to be on the NHL trade deadline show to talk about the Maple Leafs acquisition of Rocky Saganuk, Dan Da'u, uh, 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 Vince Danfus, everything like that. Go ahead. Rick Natris, go ahead. That was the, wasn't that the kid line? Rocky Saganuk, or Rocky... Yeah, that was the kid line, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, Mike Palmatier, Mike Palmatier was kind of making. And for both then. people who don't know, of course, Carmen was the indoor soccer goalie. He was trying out to Maple Leaf goalie, but <laughs> he didn't have the mask of Mike Palmatier. But are you going to be on the NHL trade deadline show on Friday? What are you doing on Friday? I don't care. You're you're going to tell me, oh, we have a game here. We have. Do you understand? You're on worldwide TV talking about the National Hockey League trade deadline show that they're going to have waste eight hours for two trades. Come on. Because everybody's trading already <laughs> to the deadline. And what right. the Leafs are done anyway. Why no, care? the Leafs are not done. Their Leafs are not done. And by the way. Anybody, you want to hear a take that nobody, no, I don't care, it's going to get me in trouble with MLSC. I got Carmen Asako here who's going to take the bullets for me. All right? I, I don't care. Nobody's talking about this. Check out the trade deadline show 
I'll tell you the inside scoop about Carl Dubis making, I guess, his his team for three years. Oh, I'm happy with my team. He changed three quarters of the team. Is he happy with the team? Never mind. Are you going to be on the trade deadline show? Yes or no, Carm? I'll be right there. I'll be on for sure. I'll be yeah, there. No, all, all gonna, there. Listen, listen. Absolutely, yes, I'll be you're going to be on the show because I told you, nobody gives memories of Rocky Sagana but you. All right? This has been the special. Ronald Berlingo was on the kid line. Tom Bill Fergus. Tom Fergus. Come on. Uh, and, uh, not, not, uh, Yaramchuk. Yaramchuk was on yeah, the Remember? Yaramchuk. Yaramchuk there. All right. So this has been a special show, a special edition of the soccer show. Normally Friday afternoon, but because of the trade deadline, we'll do it here on Fired Up Live. Uh, for John Freeman Nelson, John Carlo and Carmen Asako, who will be on Friday's show. All right. This is Joseph Pasek. Stay tuned for more great programming here on the Fired Up Network. Thanks a lot, guys. Be good.